you're listening to the Comic Critics Podcast, a radio program and podcast produced at CHMR-FM in St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. It's the show where we consider, critique, and recommend comic books, graphic narratives, and other forms of comic-related popular culture. And welcome to this week's edition of the Comic Critics Corner, the program where we talk about comics, graphic novels, and all good things. I'm one of your hosts, Hans Rollman. And I'm Leah Locke. Emily Blackmore sends her regrets this week, but she has some points that she wanted me to share, so we'll share those on her behalf. She'll be here with us virtually. So the comic we've chosen to discuss this week is Decelerate Blue by Adam Rapp and Mike Caballero. I didn't know anything about this until you suggested it, actually. I had not heard of it. It's out on uh, First, Second uh, is the publisher. And wow, Mm -hmm. what an amazing read. Mm -hmm. I'll just briefly give an overview of it. So the the little cover blurb uh, states, the future waits for no one. So it's a kind of a a sci-fi dystopia is what it is. Big time, yeah. And uh, the cover blurb says, in this new world, speed and efficiency are everything. And the populace zooms along in a perpetually stimulated haze. Angela thinks she's the only person in her family, maybe the only person on the planet, who sees anything wrong with this picture. But the truth is she's not alone. Angela finds herself recruited into a resistance movement where the key to rebellion is taking things slow. In their secret underground hideout, they create a life unplugged from the rapid-fire culture outside. Can they free the rest of the world before the powers that be shut down their utopian experiment? So that's the gist of of the book. And yeah, it is um, an absolutely amazing uh, sci-fi dystopia. Um, Angela is a teenager mm-hmm. in high school, I think. And, and she disagrees with this world in which she's being raised. She rebels against it. And um, her parents uh, just kind of consider it a, a bout of teenage rebelliousness. But... Uh, Angela is very adamant that this is not the world she wants to live in. And then she discovers others who feel the same way and becomes part of this underground movement. What did you think about it? I love this book. I love this book. So there's a few things I think um, to consider, uh, just like to fill in a a bit more back. So this world that they live in, um, what they are doing is they're living for the guarantee, right? Mm -hmm. So the guarantee is... For, I, I guess just to guarantee what? What would you say the guarantee is? Well, well, th- this is what really interested me because it really kind of riffs off a lot of what I've been reading uh, uh, lately around like cryptocurrency and stuff like that, and like the it, it's basically taking all that to its possible um, you know future level. So the the whole idea of pr- cryptocurrency, for instance, relies on users who are plugged into this virtual system of normative activities, right? So the idea is that you know all your money it's all handled by computers. So it takes the people out of the equation Mm -hmm. and puts these kind of economic decisions into the hands of computers. So in such a world, your your bank accounts, but also your access to various things. So your access to healthcare or uh, transit, your, you know, transit passes, everything would be orchestrated in this computerized system. And it's actually becoming closer and closer to reality, Mm -hmm. which, which can be troubling as well, because, well, and we see how it can be, 
you know, that can be turned into a terrible thing because everyone feels compelled to adhere to this normative system because other it's their guarantee, you it's know. It's guarantee. Yeah, everything in their lives is is run this this way. And if you wind up going off grid, you lose access to everything. And I think that in Decelerate Blue, the guarantee is you're guaranteed to be happy because you only need to know what you need to know. So you don't have to think and overextend yourself to learn about anything else. So in school, um, she is in, it's Angela, right? Yeah, Angela is in school and she's in English class and they're reading uh, Romeo and Juliet. But they only read snippets of it. It's like a super, like they'll never read the whole play. They'll never read a whole book. It's just um, very bare bones. And the language that they choose to use is all contractions right? So they would say can't instead of could not. So everything has to happen faster. Their language happens faster, reading, and they have this, um, the mom's always saying, oh, you should go see this great new movie. I've heard it's only going to take 12 minutes. Like that's so great. Or it'll take a whole 12 minutes, right? And I mean, now we go to movies and movies seem to be getting longer and longer as they're made, right? And so here everything has to happen really really quickly and uh, you know your, your heart rates up and the parents are even they've got these new beds they're standing beds because it's gonna make them move that much more quickly and get up that much more quickly in the morning so everything has to be happening at an accelerated pace even your thoughts and she's having a really hard time with that because she finds a book a full book you know, hidden under her chair in her English class. And then she's like, wait a second, what is life like otherwise, you know, and how literature affects her, which I thought was really great. It kind of reminded me of like an amalgamation of Fahrenheit 451 Mm -hmm. and um, 1984, but much more manageable to me. I'm not a fan of 1984, for example. So like I, I really like I found this to be uh, manageable and tangible and devastatingly possible yeah yeah one of the other aspects of this world like you said it's everything is sped up you know the this kind of ephemerality and and transitory nature of 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 our lives is encouraged but also uh, material consumption and consumerism is massively encouraged they're always encouraging kids go to the mall you know spend you know some money buy some things you know that's what is seen as as key to happiness right eat this really like eat fast food like that's what everybody wants you to eat fast food because it'll all happen more quickly and it just it is such an unhealthy society but one of the things that Emily has um, has said and has asked to share she says that there are so many parallels to our world you know especially she says with social media and the internet making everyone want things faster and so there's some really great articles that are constantly flowing around um, you know our own social media mine and Emily's for example because we're librarians that are talking about the negative effects of speed reading the negative effects of just skimming through headlines without actually going into the information itself we see the rise of fake news and all those things so it's kind of like our own guarantee right even today we see kind of a backlash against that these you know like slow living movements you know which is kind of exactly what the resistance in this novel is only the these polarized opposites have become so entrenched that the fast living material consumeristic society has become the established norm, you know, and everyone is expected and compelled to be part of it. The, the slow living, you know, movement is, is actually uh, gone underground, quite mm-hmm. literally. 
Yeah. The other thing that I found really, and it, I know it drove Emily nuts because I was sitting in the office with her as she was reading the book uh, on her lunch break. But every time you speak in this, you know, dystopian society, at the by the time you end your sentence, you have to say go because it's giving somebody else permission to speak. So if you drop your goes, that's seen as a sign of disrespect. Mm-hmm. And I had like at first when I was first reading it, I, I kind of had to like shake my head and shake you know, my concept of speaking to people like other people out of my own brain to work around the language and the communication in this because I found the ghost so disconcerting and I know Emily did too. Yeah, I've also found it disconcerting to read at first, but that's one of the things I really came to appreciate about the book is the authors have really put some thought into what this world would be like mm-hmm. and their innovative use of language is a reflection of that, you know, mm-hmm. so this idea of the go, you know, the, the way they think of the guarantee in almost religious terms and it just peppers everything about their language you know things are are hyper and uh, you know they they just value speed and and uh, yeah speed and materialism and and that that really inflects everything even in school you know they're learning these shortened versions of shakespeare that are designed to be sped up and like you said you know their um, contractions are are good full full language is bad um so it's yeah it's all about cramming as much as you can into a very short space the other thing too that i found um problematic for angela was that so angela goes and she's got a a grandfather that she loves a lot and he remembers the old ways and he's not afraid to share that with her and he sends her sort of on this little uh treasure hunt to go and find this uh tree where he's carved his initials with his grand her grandmother's initials into a tree during slower times and he's buried something under the tree and she goes to recover it and while she's doing that she's gets pulled into this underground society where people move at a slower pace people pay you know more attention to you know different kinds of food that you can eat different like there's all kinds of books that you can read like different and different stream of consciousness you know meditation's a big thing there's a cow there that people just go in just to be in the same room as the cow to slow down their heart rates and calm themselves down because it's this very calming cow which i found really interesting too but the people that run it's almost cultish to me like i was reading it and i found it to be very cultish and i thought is this any better than what was going on upstairs. So while I tend to, you know, side and align myself a little bit more with these slower paced radicals, um, you know, they there's this scene. So there is this pill that they all want to take to decelerate themselves and they're going to do it at the same time. And that to me just right away, I was like, ah, you know, like, mm-hmm eating the poison jello like the the you know the cultishness of the whole thing and i was really upset i was really upset that that was sort of where they were going and then that sense of community which is completely missing from those people living for the guarantee above ground there's no sense of community really so this huge sense of community where they're going to all decelerate and you know take this pill together and what happens in the end to that so i don't want to sort of give away the ending of the book but it's not good Mm -hmm. right and so you know it, it just like i found it really heartbreaking and i know emily cried when she read it like she found it really heartbreaking too and there's some you know there's some elements to this that also remind me of romeo and juliet you know two factions on either side and Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, when you say cultish, that that really puts it in proper uh, context. I was also a bit disappointed by the resistance, and it's interesting because they they say that you know what they're doing is going to change the world, but they they don't actually seem that concerned about changing the broader world, more about changing themselves and exactly. and achieving this collective enlightenment, which was a bit disappointing. I, I think Angela, I, I was hoping she would almost lead this resistance because she seems you know a lot more uh, concrete and a lot more real. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the resistance was a, a little bit disappointing. Uh, I was hoping they would have a, have a stronger agenda than simply taking a pill. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, the other thing, too, so I do want to talk about um, is the art, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. I liked the art, and I loved the lack of color. So everything is in black and white, um, but the pages themselves are blue. So when you look at the book itself, it's 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 gorgeous the cover I like everything first second puts out artistically mm-hmm. like I've yet to pick up something and go Ugh, right from a first second book um, but then when you get to the end of the book without giving the ending away there's this huge eruption and explosion of color and it is stunning it's like a tapestry it's watercolor it's gorgeous it's mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous art at the end yeah. What did you think? No, I, I fully agree. Uh, I was a bit disappointed by, by the ending, I guess, in a narrative, in, in mm-hmm. a plot sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the art of the ending is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. The ending was a bit confusing. Um, well, it's and, not and hopeful. Abstract. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's a, it's a sad. So, like, we're talking about the, the resistance. And you had mentioned how they don't seem to have this, like, a broader um, sort of plan to help the world at large, right? It's not like the Hunger Games, right? Where mm-hmm. District 13 is going to go and, you know, not just be District 13 or Katniss goes and saves everybody. I'm on a tangent. But like here, it's like just for the resistance or just for the guarantee. And I I don't see a way that it's sort of saving each other. So what happens to Angela, the choice that Angela makes at the end is also a very sort of inwardly selfish choice but also sacrificial choice so I can't really tell if it's like more one way or the other it would be great to ask Adam Rapp like what did you expect from Angela in this moment Mm -hmm. like what was she doing something really for the greater good here was she doing something very inward Uh, was it a little bit of both and what is the hope like are they going to learn from what happened to Angela or will they just continue going on go what do you think yeah it would have been good as a longer series I I thought because I loved the first two thirds of it say Mm -hmm. but then it seemed it came to this very kind of abrupt conclusion uh, that left me dissatisfied so I think if it had been stretched out uh, it could have made a very fascinating you know um series even I love that it's a single like it's a self-contained book though so when I I, we bought this book for the library and it was one that was really on my radar and so when I was buying it I was reading a bunch of reviews about it and the one thing that kept coming back and forth so we mentioned that there's this connection with Romeo and Juliet but also in the reviews themselves they talk about a dystopian modernized sort of Romeo and Juliet story and I do see a lot of parallels there and I think that that's a really great you know not that I love Romeo and Juliet's story at all and not that I like Romeo at all at all but um, I think to be compared to a Shakespeare story in any way is probably a really great criticism and a really Hmm. great review yeah, and it's interesting because Shakespeare does play a, quite a role there. Mm-hmm. You know, Angela is studying Shakespeare in, in school mm-hmm. and Shakespeare becomes kind of this this plot device in, in the background, but, mm-hmm. but a recurring one. Uh, so that is interesting. Um, I wouldn't have thought of the Romeo and Juliet 
And which also and ends abruptly, right? Yeah, 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 very so true. there are parallels to that. I really love the role of the teacher mm-hmm. in this. I, I, I just think that, you know, teachers have this this duty and they have to have a subtle duty at the same time to really engage kids and push them to think more broadly. And uh, this teacher really does that. And I, I liked it, but at the same time I was like, distressful of him it's really it's really neat that the way that they've created these characters it's like i can't just i can't just trust any of the characters and why is that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah builds a a layer of suspense in there you know who can you trust and who's watching whom and you know who's who what agendas are at play here so so that that element was really done well as well i think the other another aspect that I really like so there's a love story going on too which is utterly beautiful Angela meets and falls in love with this other resistance member Gladys and yeah and it's just a really lovely uh, love story that's embedded there uh, as well I, I thought that was really nicely done I loved the love story and, and the the paneling and the and the art to show the little moments that they had to sneak away but that because they're living underground because they're living in the society that they're living in their intimate moments aren't just for them because they have to share this space this communal space and all and i i I just thought it was really really well done and there is some some real love there especially where you see that there's um sort of a parallel to that with the parents love of angela and you know, what the parents choose to do for her and what they think is right for her versus where her heart really lies and, and how she feels herself when she's with Gladys. No, it's, it was quite lovely. Yeah. No, I, so I really liked this book. I hope that a lot of people check it out from the library. Yeah, me too. I, I was thinking as I read it, it would make a really great, well, perhaps except for the ending, it would make a really great movie. I agree. Yeah, no. It, it would, and, you know, even with that ending, I don't know, like I think people would leave you know, the movie going, ah, like this, like with this pit in their stomach. But, you know, is that a bad thing? Right. And I do see so many parallels with the way that our world is right now that this seemed like the dystopian book that could be possible. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And you, you like, 1984 and all of these even the hunger games like there's a lot of dystopia out there a lot of it's really excellent. Um, but I felt like, you know, this this doesn't seem too far off to me. Yeah, it's really a dystopia for the present era because it, it, it just builds on so many contemporary themes, you know, materialism, consumerism, this idea more, 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 faster, faster, faster. Fake news. Don't yeah. read everything. Yeah. Just reading the headlines, social media, mm-hmm. like that sort of a thing. I, I agree. Yeah. And people's, you know, desire for security. And mm-hmm. and uh, and again, you know, it's, it's really disturbing because when you think of, of how... Uh, how wired in so much of our lives has become, it's harder and harder to go off grid, which is what the uh, these resistors are, are trying to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a real, uh, as a dystopia, it's, it's real. It's real, yeah, it's a dystopia <laughs> for the times, for sure. So that's um, Decelerate Blue by Adam Rapp and Mike Cavallero. Yes, definitely a first-rate selection. I would definitely recommend it to uh, readers of all sorts. And the more I think about it, the more I really do think it's an important point that this is a dystopia for the contemporary period. So many of the classic dystopias uh, from 1984, Brave New World, you name it. um, The world has changed so much since they were written that there is a certain 
difficulty involved in suspending one's disbelief. You know, um, they were all written before the internet, before the era of email, viral videos, and so much that defines our current existence. And so uh, having a dystopia that takes all of those contemporary realities into account and then builds on them in a fantastical way, I think is really important. And that's one of the, the great things that this book does. And also uh, having a wonderful, uh, you know, be very beautiful romantic love story that um, avoids so many of the heteronormative tropes that we often see in comics and literature in general. Okay, so we're about out of time. That's it for this week's program. Thank you so much for listening in to the Comic Critics Corner. I'm Hans Rollman with Leah Locke and Emily Blackmore virtually. And we'll be back in another couple weeks with some more comics for you. You've been listening to the Comic Critics, a radio program and podcast produced at CHMRFM in St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. We'll be back in about two weeks with more comic-related popular culture. <laughs>